single soft hard isolated <laughs> multi-tenant single tenancy hard multi-tenancy softness this is what this means so what other controls would you have in a single tenancy <laughs> Jay bigger hole yeah, Jay right, exactly Jay, yeah. Jay, coming back coming back to you? it Hello, welcome to Cloud Unplugged. I'm John Shanks. And I'm Jake Ashaw. And as promised, we are going to take a little bit more of a deep dive. We don't have endless amounts of dives. So I've caveated with a little bit, Super obviously, deep. just to set expectations <laughs> around security decisions when you're going single and multi-tenancy on Kubernetes and how and why you would make those decisions, what you make them on. So I guess we before we're saying if you were being fully secure and there wasn't any other issues, you'd obviously go for full isolation. So if, if, if you're there was no other constraints, yeah, yeah, exactly. if there was no other constraints that you had to worry about, cost wasn't a problem, there was magic tools that made it really easy and simple, and you didn't have to worry about anything, and everything scaled and did it all for you, and all the magic was there, then you would just naturally say, well, actually isolate all the workloads if also somehow the other issues were, were solved, like networking and how they're going to communicate with each other, these apps and all this other stuff. So it was a they aren't constraints, then from a pure security perspective, isolating the workloads is going to be better from a security posture perspective than sharing things, applications and workloads, sharing infrastructure. Yeah. Do you agree with that just before? Yeah, 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 that makes sense to me. Isolating the workloads, well, isolating the teams, I guess, isolating the tenants from each other, because you could go super, super secure and isolate even that tenant's Workloads, so take it down uh, down a little Every bit. Every single workload is isolated. Even I mean, that's literally I the, mean the, the, the worst mega, cost. Well, we're saying it's not a problem, right? It's not a problem. No cost the issues. The worst management overhead, or whatever. But not problems. Not loads if, of problems. If, if you're like, oh, I've got this thing, and I don't want any potential threat at all on this other thing that I'm running. Two different things of data classifications and all, like all this kind of stuff. Two different user groups accessing it. You just don't want to expose either in in any way. Then you might even ask about those, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, completely different clusters. This is a fictitious world we're yeah. living in right now. All of the monies. So if all the things weren't issues, <laughs> or magically, then that would be the ultimate goal for like security. Is like it's full isolation. No workloads are sharing even the VM even or anything, right? So you go like full blown. Yeah. Everything is fully isolated. But obviously that isn't the world we live in. So there is. Uh-huh. Still element just of sharing. So much magic in this fictitious <laughs> yeah. world. So I guess then you have to think about security at that point as yeah. then you're going to wind back up. And we're talking about things do share because we do know there are costs. Costs and management. Exactly. Performance, reliability, yeah, the, reliability those, resilience, etc. Yeah. Exactly. All those are factors. Mm-hmm. And because of those factors, they now start to weigh in because obviously Doing it the way we suggested would be an insane amount of engineering to kind of go and work out how you're going to do it. And the cost of it, if you're in cloud, would be high anyway. So probability of anybody doing it is slim. Why not share? All right. Away from this weird, fictitious world, what's more of a kind of common pattern if you say have you've got a single use, single cluster for a tenant? What types of things or aspects of security would you want to kind of mitigate just to kind of conform to best practice, just, just so we're grounding in something, I guess. If you are sharing, you're saying, or even if you're single tenanted. You're not sharing. So I'm not sharing, it's just my own cluster. Yeah, you're just your own cluster, but just sort of baselining 
I guess, what level of security you'd have, even if you weren't sharing. And then we can build on the level of security or the risk that you want to, might want to mitigate if you were sharing. Yeah. Do you see? So we can so contrast, some contrast the questions would be, are there going to be any secrets involved in what's going to be hosted? Of course, yeah. There's always oh, there secrets, is, of course. Right? So there's always going to be secrets. So Think about it. I mean, if you... We're talking real general sense, right? So we're just talking kind of normal application workloads. Those workloads might have access to databases and things like that. So it's not just a generic, really simple basic app. It's not, yeah, these basic apps. This is a little bit more complicated. All right, so it's more complex. It's got some, it's going to have some secrets in there. And either way, I suppose you're going to have RBAC on the cluster itself, as in like access to the API. You need to obviously talk to the API with some authentication. Why does it have to be role-based? We need to auth, and then that auth needs some access to something. Yeah. But, um, but otherwise, there is no auth. Basically, there's no RBAC at all. It's just flat, which obviously you wouldn't want to have, even if it was owned by you. Yeah, I mean, there's different kind of access methods. So I was saying RBAC, role-based access. Role-based, yeah, yeah. But there's it doesn't have to be role-based. It could just be kind of ABAC, which is not that, right? Yeah, but you want to be specific because I'm presuming if we've just gone from a You're really simple app, but you and don't, if yeah. it can't be a simple app because what you just said is like can't be a simple app, then it can't be a simple team either. So, but it's only one team is the point. So you might you may not need that. Well, I would because it's going to. be, I thought we before we're talking about there's other things in this cluster, presumably ingress and cert manager and those things. So you're saying they don't need our back. They do, yeah. All right, so then we need yeah, RBAC then, because those things have to get into the cluster somehow. So now we're talking about a platform team that's created them. Okay, so there's RBAC. Yeah, that's because, what we started because that's, with in yeah, the okay, premise. Sorry, yeah, yeah. My fault. You would need RBAC because you have a platform team. So just a shoot context this. here, from, as if everyone listens to every single episode. Yeah, exactly. Where we decided, just to recap, <laughs> decisions were before. It's a platform team managed cluster that's going to be provided to bring one to many different services that enhance the experience for developers, certificate management, auto scaling, ingress, DNS, all those types of things. Could be there's way more obviously than those things we've listed. And it wasn't just bare bones Kubernetes only just to host some apps. It was going to get enhanced. So because of that, I mean even even thinking about security, I don't think a security team would be best pleased literally anyone that accesses that cluster or supports anything in that cluster has just has access to anything generically. It's not a great security model. Probably isn't, no. No. So I guess also because that platform team is managing that, they don't want to keep making changes to stuff that people have broken because they have access. So yeah, RBAC is is a good place to start. What's next? If we're talking about secrets and there's going to be secrets, which obviously there now has to be anyway, I've caveated even for myself because yeah. things are running in there yeah, and they're yeah. probably going to need secrets. Then the encryption of those secrets, if it's in the cloud, then you can probably use KMS or something to encrypt those secrets behind the scenes. The actual operating system itself, obviously you might want to start there. The slimmer, the better. The less things on it, the better. The more read-only the file system, root file system is, obviously that's good. Partition for, say, the Docker containers that can't be... Don't obviously can't be read only because they've got to be pulled down. Let's just go back a couple of steps. Secrets and encryption. Now, obviously, we're we're talking about the cloud-provided Kubernetes clusters. Yeah. Uh, Kubernetes it doesn't have to be, service. but I'm just saying whatever okay. it is, you can you want to encrypt. The back end is going to be etc. That's storing in data in there. You want to make sure that's encrypted at rest. But then also there is secrets object in there, and you probably want to make sure that's encrypted with something. 
uniquely. Isn't so. that just part of the data store that's encrypted? You can use KMS to actually encrypt the secrets themselves. Yeah, so. there is a concept in Kubernetes, isn't there? Of like they, they think about secrets in a different way and slightly more, I guess, controls around it. Yeah, because and you it has might, different, you, almost a different partitioning. Well, exactly, because you could, in theory, have. I mean, this is all quite a little bit theoretical, but somebody, you know, might be allowed to look at all data from Exceptra D because they're responsible operationally for it. That doesn't mean projects are comfortable with them also being able to see the say the secrets or whatever. I guess it just depends on roles and roles and responsibilities. So you might want to make sure that secrets that are quite sensitive to that project, project line may not might want encryption at the secret level, obviously. So you do want to make sure that just because Sorry, at the rest level, because accessing those secrets would be managed anyway through our back. Yeah. So it's just Well now I'm thinking about you could export the data from etc. D is what I'm talking right. about. Right, oh, okay, cool. Yes. In which case then it's just all yeah. flat, right? Cool. Because yeah. it's now not encrypted, which that means you get secrets too. So it might be like, I'm not comfortable with that. If you do export the data from etc. D, somebody also then could just see the secrets because they're not encrypted. So then you could encrypt the secrets with something else so that even if they exported it, they wouldn't be able to decrypt the secrets. They need a key to secret see. That's what I'm talking about. Great. So it's encrypted in the database and then it's encrypted at rest. Yeah. Would you do that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and then obviously the operating systems. I don't know what you've seen different operating systems for obviously the root file system being encrypted. There's obviously been a change. There's loads of OSs nowadays. Yeah. So obviously the kind of cloud provided managed Kubernetes services, the control plane is always Linux for the most part, right? Then you have a bunch of node groups, node pools or whatever to manage. You can have those on Windows, you can have them on Linux, you can have them on many different flavors of Linux. Let's just assume that it's a flavor of Linux. Then you obviously got file shares to manage within that and where those Docker containers are running from. Obviously, that's some of your, potentially that's some of your business logic that you're running within those containers and having them on sort of unencrypted drives isn't great because it's cloud, it's infrastructure, right? So yeah. it's, it's, and it's virtualized, which means that any point it could be scheduled into someone else's account or whatever. And they, there is a process of like potentially gaining access to things that have been running on that before. So you obviously need to kind of protect yourself from, from those types of measures too. So having kind of encrypted volumes, having containers that are running from encrypted volumes makes sense. Yeah. And then preventing, installation on the root file system obviously is good too so if you can make that read only and then have a separate file system for where the docker images are going to be coming from and that can be right but then you can put the controls then around the containers themselves and what they have access to or don't have access to but then that stops people also being able to write to the main root file system and overwrite certain things on there pretending that they are the real processes real immutability really yeah pure, pure immutability Obviously, some people also try and encrypt the root file system, but then obviously needs it's a bit more complicated at that yeah. point on all the key management and decryptions. You can just divide it up. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure why you would ever really need to if you're using... If you do it that way, you kind of don't because you can't do anything yeah, anyway. But exactly. if people, certain operating systems, it's not possible. Maybe if you're um, baking your own image rather than just using something off the shelf. Yeah. But yeah, so that's normally you're starting at that level because you've got to provide these things. Obviously, networking and all those things will be kind of important, but you're going to be inside of Kubernetes. Your topology of what you're thinking about up front, 
is the infrastructure just all shared equally? But this is, sorry, we're talking about the single shared. Single cluster. shared. Yeah, yeah. But if I'm saying, even if it's single shared within my project, even the applications are they all equal in risk? Oh, I see. Okay. Right? So, Am I comfortable yes. with all this app just being equal in security, even though I'm not sharing it with anybody? Or are there certain apps actually I'm a little bit worried about? I don't know why you would be, but you might have a real legitimate need. So this is, I guess, the concept of soft and hard multi-tenancy. I know. What's the difference? Another thing. So hard multi-tenancy, sorry, hard tenancy, I think, is when you're in single clusters, i.e. you've got hard separation between the kind of control plane and and everything else. And then soft multi-tenancy is where you're sharing, say, the control plane, but not the worker nodes you can't have multiple is that right it sounds like it should be the way around like soft multi-tenancy if it's just multi-tenancy or tenancy because obviously ten- to have a tenant would presumably mean it's been or shared soft segregation hard mo- segregation yeah because it feels like soft would be that it's just the control plane but then it's flat and the infrastructure isn't and hard would be the infrastructure, the control plane is shared, but the infrastructure isn't, as in it's hardened a little bit. Like, yeah. yeah. It's, oh, so the hard is basically, you know, it's out. It's like ev- the control plane and the worker nodes aren't shared. But then it's not shared. Oh, it's single tenancy then. So it's yeah. not, it's, no, there is no tenant. The platform, I guess, is the te- is the concept of tenant. Is that right? And it sounds odd. Where is the tenant coming from? You're just a tenant of one. Tenancy? I need to like Google this because <laughs> <laughs> there is a concept of soft and hard and I can't remember. Is it in exactly. relation to multi-tenancy within itself as in you can be really yeah. strict within multi-tenancy? Exactly. Well, you can be as strict as you kind of can with tenants tolerations, which we're not going to get, which we should get onto at some point, but where it's then the infrastructure nodes aren't shared from an application perspective. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I'm just guessing from what you've said. And I've heard the term, but I've never really paid attention. It just sounds like that's what it might mean. So hard multi-tenancy is obviously strong isolation, yeah. which is exactly like node groups. what we talked about, right? With not sharing the cluster and not sharing the shared services. So it's hard isolation. Oh, it's just called shared hard isolation. Yeah, so it's called isolation rather than tenancy. Yeah, I was going to say. That was... And then soft is when there is a little bit of softness to that. And so you'll share the cluster API potentially, but not the, it's up to you what your level of softness is. So whether you want to share the API and not the node pools. So it's soft isolation, hard isolation. Exactly that, exactly. And there's nothing in between. And then your versions of softness change very soft yeah exactly medium soft (laughs) this is getting to a weird place (laughs) (laughs) so basically like super hard tenant isolation is separate clusters complete separate clusters single single tenant exactly single tenant and then there's ways to have soft isolation in a multi-tenant cluster which is where you would have things like isolated worker nodes. Yeah. But there isn't much else you can really do because, like, obviously the control plane needs the control plane. The The API is still the API. RBAC is still RBAC if you're you're putting it on. You could have different shared services for those work worker nodes yeah but that's nothing to do with kubernetes specifically yeah no but in in this in this world of isolation that we're talking about oh yeah i suppose from more generic platform yeah yeah, exactly but they might not even run in kubernetes those services how so as in they could just be services that are ancillary i meant i meant like 
ingress you know oh, you can I have see. an ingress so in cluster services cluster not just like gitlab no, or no, like no, no, some no, other sorry. services even your in cluster services might be segregated in this yeah, software so world each project has its own exactly, ingress exactly. each project has its own thing i yeah, see yeah yeah, yeah. So yeah, the only so that's thing extreme. That, yeah, I, I guess there's just well, yeah, maybe I suppose there is. Yeah, th that is an option. Obviously, Kubernetes is just a bunch of options in the end, but probably isn't something that you'd likely do because now there's not much benefit to be gained when you are not running that API, Kubernetes API, on the control plane because you could just get cloud providers to do it for you at a very small cost. In, in fact, free sometimes. Soft isolation tends to happen less so in that world. Mm. So the different, I guess, ways of then isolating apart from just, say, the worker nodes is obviously the clusters. In this world where you just have the single so many people cluster. are just probably like got so confused. <laughs> I know, exactly. I'm just like going off a bit of a tangent. But in, in the single... The single soft, hard, isolated, <laughs> multi-tenant, single tenancy, hard, multi-tenancy softness. Words. This is what this means. <laughs> so what other controls would you have in a single tenancy? <laughs> Jay! Dug a hole. Yeah, exactly. Jay, yep. Jay, coming back, coming back to it. Um, well, I guess if we rewind, rewind back, because I don't, I guess we're inferring a huge amount of knowledge to a degree so like anything you're going to have an operating system or an ami image or some image inside the cloud vendor they have ones that are designed for running containers operating systems that are specific just for running containers not just like generic operating systems that's obviously better because it's the principle is everything's going to be a container and obviously there's security groups and all these other things that isolate containers so already from a kernel's perspective you've got c groups and all the other things that are going to isolate which is what it's about getting the i guess what they kind of deem software virtualization isolated at the operating system level and that's it that's basically what gets provisioned and then there'll be a kubelet on there that is obviously talking back to the control plane and then that's just sending information about itself to be like hey this is my cpu memory and this is who i am this is what's running etc and then that's going to talk to the runtime that's then going to obviously run containers on it but then the control plane that you're speaking to in kubernetes what we're saying is if you've made those decisions then obviously there's we Kubernetes objects that'll be, here's my app, this is what I want to deploy. Here's the container, this might need a secret. What we're then saying is, oh, there's a secret object now. I'm a bit worried about that because that's going in some data. What about if somebody exported that data? Yeah. Could they export the secrets as well? No, because we need to encrypt that too. Yeah. So now you've kind of got some levels of security from when people actually are putting objects, Kubernetes objects, and telling the API what they want. Mm -hmm. It's going to go off and reconcile and make those things happen that you've asked for, if it can. Mm -hmm. But then the workloads underneath, you've already made decisions on even what the operating system is under that, that's then isolated, and even the partitioning on it, and then the encryption of that partition even, just in case, that is ancillary to Kubernetes, but isn't Kubernetes itself. Yeah, exactly. Right? So, so you, I guess you're just talking about the actual not within the API at all, really. It's right. just the actual node itself and how Basic the containers OS, are running on VM those nodes. Yeah, exactly. elements, right? Nothing Kubernetes-centric at that point. Yeah. The only bit that is is then obviously the kubelet that I mentioned and the control plane. But actually, where those containers are going to run, you'd want to do that anyway, even if you weren't using Kubernetes, is what I'm saying. So they're just best practices from an OS perspective yeah. and those best practices from a Kubernetes perspective and those best practices from the data store perspective of Kubernetes behind. So there's layers. And then, all right, so let's jump into the Kubernetes layer 
now at that stage. So you've done nodes, they're kind of hardened, running that sort of best practices, using best practices that you've just described. What's next? How would you isolate or how would you achieve a kind of standard level of security at that level? Actually, another thing maybe at that node level is whether you're allowing some of those processes on those nodes to run in certain namespaces or run or being able to be escalated into like privileged mode or whatever. So that's, I guess... That's kind of where Kubernetes touches the node. Well, I guess there's level a, there's controls. A, few, a few things even before that. This is why it's a big topic. Is do I want this endpoint for Kubernetes API to be public? Does it need to be private? Exactly right at the start. Uh, yeah. What about access to it? What about the the kubelet's also got a talk that I mentioned that's running on the VMs. Mm-hmm. Is that encrypted? Yeah. Does that have a certificate as well for mutual TLS? Is it authenticating itself so something can't pretend? Yeah to be that kubler and start getting access to data and information. There's all these layers because obviously it's an API. Kubernetes itself has to make sure that the things talking to it that it needs to function are also hardened. And then also the decision of how private and how public do I want to operate? Am I just going to be like, I don't mind it's public because I'm going to rely on auth and that auth might be open ID. So I'm kind of relying on OpenID Connect and that's fine and my security posture is I'm okay with that because it's an endpoint that's encrypted and I trust single sign-on and OpenID flows and, and then my back. Or that's still too risky. I still want all of that plus put it on the VPN and don't make it public or lock it down to only IPs that I know and then firewall it off, but it could still be public. So there's lots of choices even right at the beginning to be made before even you get to running workloads when on you've it. got your just your control plane yeah yeah just at exactly. like installation stage and then i guess when you're getting a little bit closer to understanding how to run workloads yeah. what's next how are you gonna... <laughs> just so eager to get something <laughs> yeah i know exactly i mean i have this cluster right let me give me give, i mean give me i just validated whether I... <laughs> I want to run anything on this cluster joe it seems a bit um gun-ho like it does to be there's no r back on it apparently it's all there's flat. RBAC. We've yeah. met, there is r back come on it's uh <laughs> and we realized there's it's a Soft, classic, no, no isolation. Kajika. Yeah, so I do think though those decisions, even those early decisions make it harder because if it's private, then obviously the VPN is there, right? You need some form of VPN. Otherwise, how are you actually even accessing mm, it? Yeah. Well, not necessarily VPN. You could have a bastion or a jump box where you're yeah, that's true. somewhere. You could have, and, yeah, exactly. So there is, you're just moving the boundary. You can't directly talk to it without... Yeah. I mean, you could directly talk to it if you're on the network of it. You're moving you the boundary be, yeah, to something that else that internal, can talk to it. Yeah, exactly. It's an internal boundary yeah. now. Yeah. So that can make it a little bit harder, obviously, to then do all the automation around everything. You've then got to go off and deploy the things in after the cluster's built, like the ingress, like the certs how is that thing what is the thing that's talking to the api that's now on a private network and does it have access to it yeah. obviously from a kubernetes perspective that stuff isn't always that all the things you might want won't be out of the box some things might be from the cloud vendor and that you can choose from and there'll be a bunch of other things that you're going to have to then put on even before anyone's deploying the app jay even before wow right. yeah sounds exactly. like a lot of work Right, so I still want to deploy my app, right, okay. John. Right, so can you uh, 
So anyway, four months later, when we've got through all of these decisions, <laughs> what do you mean Jay got another job? Does he not work here anymore? <laughs> Where's he working now? Somewhere that Just lets that his me... cluster's ready? Yeah. So... <laughs> Someone that lets me use bloody Kubernetes. <laughs> yeah, so what kind of controls are you going to put in place so that the workloads can run in a, if, like, in a secure way? <laughs> so, so I'm gonna do the some workloads. I'm gonna do workloads. some security for oh, the right. security thing you asked for. Oh thanks. Yeah. Thanks, cool. And that's no, it. That's the only <laughs> So that's the things we're gonna do. Uh, and then you'll be able to this, run your secure. This things. is why John has paid the big bucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> security for security's sake. Yeah, Just I'm it. gonna do the security things. things. Don't don't yeah, worry. Yeah. Uh-huh. They're yeah. all done. <laughs> um, yeah. What is it you're asking for? So you want to What what is best practice around running workloads in a secure way that where I guess where Kubernetes configuration meets best practice for running processes on nodes. Oh, well, so you're saying now from an infrastructure level, you want to isolate some apps to specific bits of infrastructure so they don't share fully the infra. Is that what you're saying? Not necessarily fully the in- infrastructure, but so that they can't escalate out and break out of the app, um, oh, I see. break okay. out of the container. Well, there's so, a few things yeah. you could do and some of them overlap because so you can obviously solve the problem in different ways yeah. but you can use PSS which was originally PSP pod security policies so yeah. pod security standards is it standards or system there's pod security I was forget the pod security admission which is the first kind of yeah, layer of that layer, and then pod security the actual policy itself which is now being diminished because yeah. they've moved a lot of it to be like more driven by policy agents yeah exactly that's what I'm saying. It's kind of evolved a little bit where before you'd have a post security policy and that was some kind of generic elements that was kind of limited on scope of how much it would do anyway. And that's like, well, I don't really want people mounting in the host network. I say people, containers. I don't want containers. Same, same. <laughs> There's just many people <laughs> running. I don't want containers being able to be orchestrated to then mount in file system elements, specific things from other containers, etc. So you'd isolation, other things would be the actual process inside the container shouldn't be root because then if it gets exploited, obviously then it's running as root. People can install things then on that container and do other stuff. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of start to enforce all these standards as policies to make sure those things read-only file system again you might be like actually it needs to be read-only root file system can't speak today and then moving across user groups or user namespaces in the Linux kernel being privileged or whatever yeah set comp policies as well which is the types of system calls that could be made by that process that's running inside that container so you could even be really, really locked down. You can use SE Linux. You can drop well, capabilities. Even. You can drop capabilities, so yeah. That, yeah, so that you can never expose the capabilities that that container shouldn't be able to have, binding to certain networks under certain ranges or whatever. There's uh, a lot you can... There's a lot, right? There's and a that's lot that just gets quite low level to a point because you need to kind of understand what that would mean. Well, you basically need to be a Linux admin. You, it's the same skills that you would have as a Linux administrator really back uh, in the if day. If you were aware of like system calls and it's things just, like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. if you were low level enough yeah. to understand like how processes work and user space and kernel space and all those things, then yeah, I suppose it infers quite a lot of knowledge Background around knowledge. how to secure yeah. what's running on it. But if there were Windows containers, obviously different 
You've got very similar concepts nowadays, obviously, because Windows and they're sort of merging to a certain degree, aren't they? Yeah, it's definitely aligned more over the years, yeah, hasn't it? Yeah, but yeah. Obviously, different different. But that's ways. not my speciality, yeah. Windows, so I can't really comment on the Nor internet. mine, which is why I'm like just, just glossing, over it. glossing over it really quickly. Kind of the same nowadays, aren't they? <laughs> moving on. <laughs> yeah, not my real speciality, but yeah. So those those would be the main things. What would you? be doing so say if a team was had some scenario where there was some front-end services and back-end services and maybe like one of the back-end services is pci right in nature but it's single tenant anyway would you still want to architect differently or would you treat it the same potentially i guess it front end really because you've already got an ingress layer is you're keep keeping that separate and so all traffic coming into your cluster might be on potentially a different node pool and then everything else is exposed internally in the cluster anyway because you're you're not actually getting you're not binding certain certain pods directly to a load balancer you're going through an internal service i.e. a load balancer exposed through ingress but then with it would be a load balancer. Or, exactly. And then we've got cloud another... If we're in cloud, then it would be, there'll be a cloud load cloud balancer, load to, balancer the to the ingress, which is the internal kind of load balancer inside the cluster. Most of the time, not always, but Nginx. Nginx, yeah, exactly. And then that is then kind of routing traffic to your pod through the service kind of definition of that pod. So it's kind of load balancing internally to your pod or pods at that stage. Your it's internal anyway, so I'm not sure you would necessarily need to kind of segregate that off to a certain space. But if you wanted to apply... But say say that this external facing thing mm-hmm. that is then the ingress, yeah. that ingress is living on what VM, like where? So that you'd probably have a separate node pool for where ingress is. Okay, so you'd are like thinking about carving it out because if it was flat, then it could be on the same node. Exactly, it would be on the same nodes, exactly that. So you'd have a different node pool for where the ingress is. And then, as I was saying, everything beyond that stage could be on one sort of larger back-end node pool. Even this front-end service is really just another layer of back-end, really, because the front-end is ingress. But the load balance is going to it. So indirectly, but it's still going to it through HTTP protocol, even though there are stages of the routing. Yeah. But the full place will be, I guess we'll just be talking about risk profile. From an application perspective, it'd be like, right, there's some infrastructure. We've done some of the hardening from an infrastructure level. There's a bunch of other stuff we mentioned around hardening Kubernetes, stuff and what you kind of can't do. But now from an application level, the find the clusters private so I can't actually talk to the API of Kubernetes, but I can talk to a service that is hosted inside that private cluster. And that's public. That's public, yeah. And that's now an Nginx proxy Mm -hmm. that's basically essentially then proxying traffic to a service endpoint, which is basically routing it then to an app. Yeah, potentially an Nginx with web application firewall in front of it. So I'd put put a WAF in front of it just to kind of mitigate, you know, some of the kind of common risks like SQLs and injections and things like that. And then then it would pass traffic down to your actual application and you probably want that traffic to be protected. So even between, so your, your traffic to the ingress is going to be over HTTPS and encrypted. And then from the ingress to, which is on one node, 
to a pod on another node is going to have encrypted traffic towards those from from those two. So, and then I guess you're talking about another backend what's service. Encrypting the traffic. What will be doing the traffic encryption? Because obviously the application is the application is designed for encryption, and they're going to have to do it at the app level. And you could do it that way, but uh, I guess to make developer experience really nice you'd probably want to provide a bunch of like in cluster services and these are the things that we kind of talked about previously so you can have something like cert manager running so for the ingress it gets a certificate from a free service like let's encrypt and that's a free certificate that's you know lasts for 90 days and it renews itself and all that kind of stuff and then Maybe internally you have a an internal certificate issuer and your the cert manager is automatically generating a cert using that issuer and giving it to the pod, you know, mounting it as a secret for your application to then use. Or even having a separate kind of sidecar alongside your application to do to terminate TLS. Mm. So there's a couple, there's lots of different patterns in, in Kubernetes, I guess. Lots of different add-ons you can use. You can use the Envoy kind of proxy. You can use Nginx, you know, lot, uh, service meshes, lots lots of things. So whatever you use, I suppose what you're saying is you, what you don't want is it, it actually has to terminate. The TLS has to terminate at the container level, like the pod level, exactly. really. Yeah. So that then obviously it's, Process as, level as close to the actual not going over a network anymore when it's then talks to the service, but anything going over the network always needs to be encrypted. Otherwise, local host obviously fine. Yeah. It's one thing to another, great, that's all right. Yeah. But anything traversing actual network and not not okay to be unencrypted. Anything traversing different nodes. Yeah, anything yeah. over the actual network yeah. beyond local host. I guess I you've got a different concept of networks, right? Because you've obviously got the kind of Kubernetes, Kubernetes layer network and then the kind of host level. But yeah. even then, that's pod to pod, right? So you, yeah. you'd want to make sure because it could be on another node. Yeah. So I suppose any network that isn't local host just to be on the safe side, you just want to make sure that you don't know whether you're on the same node or not, but it's still going to route it as normal traffic. So you, so you want to make sure that's encrypted and then what about if you need storage or something in my app? Yeah. So you have like, you know, the storage interface and that's going to be configured. God, we're going to make Kubernetes sound so complicated. <laughs> yeah. Please don't Not let to, any of this yeah, put exactly. you off using <laughs> Kubernetes. But now the more I'm talking, you start to realize like there's just quite a lot. But there's a lot. Yeah, There's exactly. a lot. So, and this is supposed to be security related. <laughs> but yeah. So I've, we've talked about, I guess, the security. We talked about the runtimes. We haven't, yeah, exactly. So but we, we, we've we've talked about the security of where the file share that your images are running from. But there's obviously, if your containers once they're running, they actually need to mount some storage into storage the container, yeah. un, in in that container, and you probably want to encrypt that again using some sort of external key. In Amazon, you obviously have KMS to encrypt the EBSs or, or yeah, all, all EFS the or whatever. Do, yeah, all, exactly. Uh, they all have like a key vault yeah, exactly. element to, it to be able to like yep. obviously encrypt yep. um, nowadays. So that's good. You've got that. But there's also the standardizations that have happened over the years as obviously vendors of, well, cloud's a vendor as well. So if you say vendors, I'm including cloud in it. But the more variety there became, mm the more standardization on interfaces. So then you had like, right, there's loads of storage that you could get. So we're going to have to call container it the, storage yeah, the container storage interface, interface called the CSI. Which and, is also the 
container secret interface. So there's like a CSI driver and a CSI driver, like one's for storage and one's for secrets. <laughs> Very fun. But, and then there's obviously the runtime interfaces, which is all the different ways of running containers. And that's standardized over the years. And then there's the OCI, which is the Open Container Initiative, which is actually all these runtimes that you're all creating we need to standardize on them because there's so many of them. We're going to standardize on that. That's when the OCI happens. There's just been loads of evolution around, not just Kubernetes specifically. Just options around the space. Just options there? around the space. And, and then a, standards on those options. Yeah. But really, to be honest, who cares? Just use, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Use run C, use container D, like all this stuff done. You just need to run a container from, yeah, from an application yeah. perspective. You're going to need storage. We're saying encrypt it. And you're gonna, we're gonna need to run containers. Make sure the OS it is done. Sounds like well. John doesn't want to talk about security anymore. He's just like, oh, just, <laughs> just, look, just too, doesn't doesn't matter. What? It's just too complicated. Can we just, just do it? not share someone's cluster <laughs> who has just done this already? <laughs> uh, is there a cluster out there that has done all this security that I could use? Like, just have one of those, please. Thanks. Yeah. No, that, just your one. That your, is the why one your people one. do yeah. multi-tenancy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because doing all those things repeatedly it's and going through that. Well. Is like we we haven't even again touched on like say some of the shared services right so let's say that that ingress that you've set up or you know let's encrypt or whatever you then have a bunch of other things you have kind of encryption modes you have ciphers that you could be using it just it's it's a lot even the TLS element exactly. on the actual certs yeah just getting that. those versions right just that. you don't support the old versions yeah. like all the all the things of all the yeah, detail yeah. of all the stuff is that yeah it's from a security perspective, there's a lot because there's a lot of components and therefore all those things have to be done well from a security perspective. The more components, the more things there are to secure, which is what makes it quite a headache. And we, again, haven't talked about some of the risks that you might want to mitigate. So kind of third-party supplier risk and where you're getting your containers from and things like that, whether you're scanning your containers to make sure it doesn't have any vulnerabilities before you run it in your cluster with potentially your other workloads what's the process they're going through are you standardizing on that who are you allowing to even deploy to your cluster is that a service that are you letting developers direct access your cluster this cluster directly are you going through like a ci cd system are you going through more of a kind of declarative approach with GitOps? what does that look like so there's so many layers to but i suppose uh, kind those of layers, i mean maybe it's more actually like talking maybe it's more the platform responsibility because to be fair those have always existed thinking about it. operating system security has always been a thing certificates have always been a thing patching managing all that has always been a thing encrypting storage always been a thing encryption at rest always been a thing encryption in transit always been a thing like the principles have always existed so it's always been hard se linux been around ages making sure you audit building se linux policies from the audit all those things that you used to have to do anyway all been things because processes are running on VMs that has an operating system and despite however it's got well, nothing's there, changed really nothing's yeah, changed exactly. from that yeah. aspect yeah just the only thing is you can share now the virtual machine and there's more security boundaries within the Linux kernel that allows for that it's kind of in the evolutionary bit but then all the other things are still the same but I think and if you haven't come from that background and maybe you're learning for the first time, you might sure. be overwhelming because you they're all new concepts to you potentially, but actually they've been in the industry for a really long time, yeah. but just different a different shift. Sounds like it's all Kubernetes, but actually in some ways 
some of it kind of isn't. Yeah, tr- true. But I, I guess even in Kubernetes, like the cloud providers, if you're mo- using a managed Kubernetes offering, then they're taking care of some of that complexity. Some, some away, you still have to right? tell it things. Yeah, sure. You um, want because yeah, you know, you then need to know those things that are sure. good things to pass in to the configuration of Kubernetes that we spoke about. And maybe if you didn't know, out of the box, the defaults might not be any of those things because it wouldn't work. Go and get a private cluster, but why can't I talk to the cluster? How can I access to the cluster? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You might not realize, so out of the box, the defaults are normally the reverse of those things because it can't make assumptions. So I think that's when people might reuse a Terraform module or reuse something that's designed for consumption yeah. at the end yeah, 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 not exactly. designed for the hard default. boundaries and security exactly yeah. bad defaults yeah exactly well <laughs> bad from a security perspective maybe exactly, yeah. but not bad from a consumption one yeah you're right what about network policies oh yeah exactly so segregating which pods can talk to other pods it's another kind of layer I guess of boundary control and security policy and then signing container images so that you know that they're coming from a place that you trust GPG or even you can do open ID can use the key of open ID to sign so you can actually keyless signing can't you as yep. well yep, yep, yep. oh did you yeah we. Oh, right. Yeah. Did we? <laughs> yes. Or did somebody? <laughs> somebody. Somebody at Via wrote a blog on it. <laughs> right, fair enough. Uh, but yeah, so there is a, a blog about that, that's true. But yeah, you can, there's still all those things is you, you've not just encrypted, but you want to encrypt maybe the container image. Um, then you need to decrypt it with something and that's going to give the trust. You can also use the hash you know, as well, which is actually each layer of the container image is hashed rather than like a Semver version. Well, referring to the actual hash, which is a thing that doesn't change rather than the tag, yeah, tag, which yeah. does change. Exactly. So then it's like, change. actually, that's exactly. the hash that I'm expecting. Yeah, yeah. And then basically, I think it, it does the sum of all the layers. Exactly. And then it does the sum match and then if it doesn't then I know it's something's altered or that's not right from what I'm expecting so that's another thing you can do injected something into a layer or whatever else exactly because the container is made up of many layers and each layer has a hash so there's loads and loads and loads and loads of layers uh, layers of security (laughs) and layers to security so when you are thinking about probably what we have worked out is you probably do a lot of these things anyway to a point If you have the background in Windows and and Linux administration, then you're probably used to a lot of these best practices overall. But if you're not, then some of these concepts are going to be new to you. But some of them don't matter whether you were single or multi, right? It's like, if I'm pulling a container down, how the hell do I know it was my container? Yeah, exactly. If I'm not encrypted it or I'm not validating any of it. If I'm not checking that it's come from a reputable source. Yeah, exactly. So I have no awareness of actually what's running in that container in the end if I can't trust that it was mine, that's nothing to do with single or multi-tenancy. But obviously... Matters more if it's multi-tenancy. Exactly, matters more because if there's loads of things sharing that host... It's going to affect everything. It's going to affect everything rather than just the app line. So this is all like the decision process. But doing these things is obviously good. But the impact when it goes wrong changes. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? But then doing it everywhere when it's singular, (laughs) also harder... Because how do I know that's done everywhere yeah. repeatedly? And how do I get visibility of all of that? The management of it all. Yeah, yeah exactly. Then yeah. changes. And then there's the cost. 
and you're like, oh, this is quite a lot of money to do it this way. Yeah, but it's more secure. Yeah. You're like, yeah, but I've got to scale my team. Yeah, costing, the implementation of it, yeah. the maintenance of it, the things that it might run in the clusters to port those, that way of working. Yeah. yeah, it's quite high. It's very high. So if you were to go and get a security product and probably run it against a bunch of things, against your cloud account, against Kubernetes, against all stuff, you're probably going to get loads of problems, yeah. uh, probably based on half most of the things we've just mentioned, but it spit out loads of these issues and then you're going to have a big book of work anyway that someone's going to have to do. I mean, whether you like it or not, if you've tried to be secure, if you haven't been secure, then you're not secure, <laughs> isn't it? It's pretty simple. Yeah. And all these are the things you probably should be doing if you care about security. But if no one knows, <laughs> is there a problem? If a yes, tree falls yes. and no one hears it, did the tree fall? I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure there's someone that knows. I'm pretty sure there's someone that's in there yeah. with, a, with a lot of knowledge. <laughs> I guess, yeah, we've talked about security quite a bit. We haven't really given the the other aspect of, of this, which is cost, because obviously, like we were saying earlier, everything's a bit of a trade-off. These are really the baseline minimum standards that you would that we would potentially harden a node, a cluster, an organization's capability on. But we'll have to kind of talk about how to sort of have the same or similar sorts of patterns to managing cost, both the single and multi-tenanted level. And we'll do that in another episode. Cool. All right. Are you going to do that? Yeah. It's all about sure. costs. You love money. Yeah, I love, I love the costs. I love the money. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Thank you. Adios. Bye. <laughs>